Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for a very special episode as we go back in time to discuss Merciful Fate's 1984 release, Don't Break the Oath. Uh, Chris, I'm going to have you uh, ask you, as I always do, how are you doing? And then I'm going to introduce our very special guests. Um, I'm great. I- I'm super excited to uh, have this uh, this forum, so to speak, uh, to discuss this album that I had never heard of up until this week, or never heard, <laughs> I should say. Um, but uh, yeah, without further ado, please uh, introduce our, our guests. Carrie and Sean from the MSR cast are with us. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the Metal Exchange. Uh, I am, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Me too. Um, you guys have a phenomenal podcast. I, will, I want you guys to talk about that, who you are, and what you're doing, and... Um, I'm a fan, so I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit from you guys, and then we'll we'll get into it. And vice versa, man. We're a fan of your show. I really love your format and what you guys do. That's why I really wanted to come on here and um, discuss a, this album. So I'm Carrie the Metal Geek. I uh, I am the, one of the hosts of MSRcast, like you said. It started, well, real quick, it started as a fanzine back in the day called Mainstream Resistance. That's where the MSR comes from. And uh, we started. I started it back in 2005, so it's been almost 18 years since we've been doing that show. I uh, had a lot of good good times on there, a lot of great interviews, and Sean the Metal Pigeon here, one of my great co-hosts, uh, one of the the living encyclopedia of metal, as I call him, knows everything. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great show ever since Sean came on. So I'll let Sean introduce himself now. Uh, yeah, I'm Sean, uh, aka the Metal Pigeon. I have a blog called uh, themetalpigeon.com, and uh, it's been going since 2011. Um, and I've been on the podcast since what 2014, I think. Yeah, I think um, so. So yeah, uh, but um, yeah, our show. I mean, the thing I like about our show is that we we do like the gamut of metal, kind of like you guys. Like genres don't matter. It's it's about mm-hmm. what we like. So any, anything from hard rock to power metal to death metal, black metal, you know, grindcore, whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah, I have to say, um, you know, we, we, we like to run the gamut here as well. We obviously yep. do a lot of albums that we love. Last week we covered uh, a death album, which I think Chris rated the lowest score that he's ever rated an album that yeah. we've covered. He, uh-huh. But you know what? That's part of the fun, right? Because uh, you got to expose yourself to new things. Sometimes it clicks. And sometimes it makes Anthrax look great, right? And, and and I only say that as a joke because I know you guys are Anthrax fans. Chris, oh, I am. I have, a, so, I, have a, I have a not man tattoo, so yeah, I know. Chris, not not as much of a fan, so uh, okay. that, that's why we're not doing Anthrax this week. We're going to talk some Merciful Fate, but before Anthrax we get there, was the Anthrax was the the lowest ranking I gave an album until Death came along. So which album was it? Which Anthrax album was it? Among the Living was that it? Yeah. What? Yeah. All right, uh, I, I gotta go, guys. I gave it, Sorry, I gave it a, I gave it a, a five out of ten. I think um, five out of five, right? <laughs> yeah, let's just say that. Um, okay, that'll make everybody feel better. How did you? Uh, how did you guys discover our podcast? Um, I stumbled on you guys. I sometimes I just go looking for new metal podcasts and. I saw you guys at the top of the of some listing, and I saw that you had done an episode on PowerQuest. I'm one of the biggest PowerQuest fans, I feel like, in North yes. America, because I feel like there's maybe 10 of us in North America. <laughs> Three and, of them and, are and on honestly, this call. <laughs> yeah, the thing that really drew me into your podcast was, like, you guys treated them with the reverence they deserved. Like, everyone in Power Metal 
circles that I'm a fan that I'm part of tends to just dismiss power quest or ignore them. And you guys kind of gave them the respect. And I was really impressed with that. Um, yeah. And uh, we were talking, you, you, you brought them up in the, in the podcast. We were just having a conversation. Right. You brought the show. I was like, Oh, cool. I'm going to go, I'm going to go look them up and subscribe right now. And then looking through your feed, I'm like, Oh my God, this is a metal podcast. And they did an episode about the monkeys. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, these yeah. are my new best friends. <laughs> We uh, we love it. We appreciate it, and, and it's funny because Chris is both the resident PowerQuest fanboy and the Monkeys fanboy. So yeah. it's uh, it makes up for his 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 distaste for Anthrax. But again, the story a little, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> hey, it was story. only the one album. Uh, we 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 still have a plan to go back and do another Anthrax album and see if uh, that. I want to hear your more. Yeah, I want to hear your opinions on maybe some of the later stuff, maybe like some of the John Bush era. John Bush, that's yeah. that's also I think Justin has said the same thing. Like because uh, I love Armored Saint, so um, sound of you got to do Sound of White Noise. That's that's it right there. Okay, duly noted. I, um, I before the, we talk, the episode I was really yeah. impressed with was from you guys recently was the Green Day episode because um, that kind of hit home for me. That was the first physical CD I ever had was Dookie. And I listened to the hell out of it, and I still love that band. And I never really talked about it with my metal friends. When I, was <laughs> I, did, I did not know that about you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We're so learning new things today. Yeah. That one was, I was really, I was really excited that Justin picked that. And I was really proud of the discussion we had. Um, and I, I was really hoping that some of our friends who don't listen to metal, which is the majority of, of our but the people we know uh, would check it out. And I, I like some of the like people that I referenced from my, you know, who like my friend, Dan, who got me into green day, I actually actually sent him the episode and he was like, so excited to hear it. So that was, um, that was, that was awesome. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Cause that was, even though it was one of the few non-metal albums we've reviewed, it's one of my favorite episodes that we've done. So. Yeah. Well, before we get to uh, Merciful Fate and King Diamond, I want to ask you, Chris, as I always do, have you heard anything this week that kind of caught your ear? And then I'll toss it out to the group. Um, it's been it, it, for for me. Uh, there's two things in particular, but I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, you know what i I came across it. I I um I posted it on our our Facebook group of all places to find a, a band and a, a that I'd never heard before. I was you know, every, just about every night, me and, me and the girlfriend, uh, lay in bed and, and we kind of look at, uh, at the TikToks that she finds throughout the day that she thinks would be interest of interest to me. And I opened up the app on my phone. And the very first thing that popped up was this band called Genocrats. Um, I, 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 I'm, I have to, you know what, I need to pull up their youtube page real quick just so i could remember the name of the song because i went on to itunes to buy it and it wasn't available yet um and then i went to their band camp and it wasn't there either so the track's called lost magic um it's just like just really good uh like the like power like symphonic power metal like if that's your that's that's your thing then you're gonna like this um they were from I, I I'm not well prepared here, but um, I was able to find one of their tracks called "The One," which uh, that was on iTunes. So I grabbed that. There's, that actually has some um, 
some more death vocals uh, interspersed, but the the track that I saw on TikTok was like just my kind of vibe when it comes to power metal. I just just gravitated towards it right away. So um, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm hoping that they release the song somewhere where I could buy it. Um, other than that, um, I all I, I noticed um, I noticed Ascendia had released a new single. Um, called Parasite, but I've not had a chance to listen to it yet. So, Justin, if you have, feel free to mention that um, when you go over what you've heard. But um, I did get a chance to listen to the the new Epica track, and we mentioned this last week that they were releasing this Alchemy Project album, or it's like an EP mm-hmm. with um, these you know guest guest songwriters and guest uh, guest artists. And the track, um, the final lullaby, was released ahead of the the EP's um, official release. And, oh, my God, it's really good. And it, it's, like, not just, like, what you would expect from Epica. And I think the idea of them having different people involved in the songwriting process really kind of shines through in this um, in the, in this song. And, ironically enough, it features Shining. Um it, it, it's it's just got this cool vibe, but yet you still have those classic Simone vocals. Um, it's just a re- super polished, really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, um, I'm really just uh, really just looking forward to the new Stradivarius album. I believe it comes out tomorrow and or next Friday. Um, but tomorrow they released the new single "Frozen in Time," and that was really good too. So I think there's like four or five singles out now at this point, and they're all awesome. So I'm excited for that. Carrie, I'm going to toss it over to you. I know uh, in the group chat, there's a a lot that's always going back and forth. Anything strike your ear? Yeah, man. We have have this really cool uh, metal chat group on Facebook with a bunch of like uh, podcasters and guys and bands and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Uh, There's this band that I discovered, their local Houston band. Um, I don't even know if Sean really knows about them yet. Discarnate Horizon. I discovered these guys. I don't even remember how. Um, really dig them. They're very much, they're crusty. Um, and this is something that I usually don't really like as much as like Sean was very dark, throny, very black metalish that way, thrashy little, uh, crusty punk type stuff, uh, very motorhead influenced. You know what I mean? Um, and this past weekend, uh, brutal Dave and, and, and I, my co-host from metal geeks, we went to this metal swap meet. Uh, it was inside a bunch of different like vendors and people selling metal stuff. And there were some bands There was this band headlined and they were so damn good. I bought their CD. I got the last mm. CD from them. They're really, really good. I definitely recommend them. They're on Bandcamp. You can buy the new album. It's called under grim skies for like five bucks. It's definitely worth it. Um, one or two other ones. There's this weird death doom band that I discovered called wine from tears one of the worst band names in a while yes i'm so happy you mentioned this i heard this for the first time this is the the the, the name of the band terrible the music phenomenal exactly when i went into it i'm like i saw it on another youtube show and they're like oh yeah this is a really really great album so i checked it out i'm like oh my god this is it's like my dying bride typo negative swallow the sun all those just thrown into a blender and even the album is called I'm Fine, which is like, are you, are you really, are you really fine? <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a very, uh, you know, sad, depressing album. 
in a way, but there's some there's some parts of it that I wish were a little bit better. It sort of throws you out a little bit. There's some spoken word stuff on, especially uh, there's a song called No Future, and they have like this spoken part. But after a couple of listens, you're like, oh, I actually sort of dig that now. Yeah, I really dig these guys. And then going more into Doom Death Metal, the new Shroud of Bereavement, uh, some funeral doom, but uh, beautifully done. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, bright moments in as well in, in the beautiful interludes. And the album's called A Beautiful Winter, so I would recommend that as well. Nice. Uh, Sean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it over to you, and then hopefully you guys don't all steal what, I'm, what I was about to say. But no, I, I, I like this because uh, there's, there's, we're <laughs> wait, running the gamut pick. here. What was that? Wait, wait, that was my pick, whatever you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away, Sean. I want to hear um, I've been listening to the new Sumerlands um, album, uh, Dream Killer, and uh, I actually got to see them at Hell's Heroes back in April, which is an amazing show um, they put on. And, I tried. Uh, the new album is incredible. Mm. Um, the best thing they've ever done. They got a little bit more, I don't know, I don't know how to say, like power metal-y 80s or something, but it's whatever it is, it's working. And I'm still hooked on the Black Braid album. It's a, this Native American um, musician doing a black metal project. And they're, it might be the black metal album of the year for me. Mm. Um, that, and I'm, I'm still listening to Aeternum, the new Aeternum album I'm still hooked on. I kind yeah, of burned a- myself out on the Blind, the Blind Guardian, just listened to it too much because I had to write about it. So I'm putting that on ice for a little bit. So yeah. I, I like the Aeternum as well. Um, I just wanted to ask you a question about Summerlands. I heard this for the first time Earlier this week, a friend of mine had said, you, you got to hear this. The singer has some set of pipes, and I'm wondering if he could pull it off live. Because what I heard oh, was, yeah. I mean, I you know, sometimes, sometimes, not everybody, sometimes you have somebody that can put it on an album and it sounds great, James Labrie. And then when you get, when you see them live, <laughs> maybe it's not as powerful. But I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the singer when you, when you, when you got to see him. Yeah, he, he was honestly incredible. Um, really kind of like clear ringing tone and great stage presence too. That's the thing that surprised me the most. I kind of thought they'd be a little nerdy up there, but it's always the bands you don't expect. They'll sometimes give you the best like, you know, stage presence because they have the most to prove, I guess. He's right. a right. too, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't remember his name, but yeah, he was really, really impressive. Well, I'm going to jump in with, with two of my own just because I have to join the fray. Uh, I had mentioned this earlier in the week to some of you guys. The new Black Void album, I'm going back to, to May of this year when it came out, May 27th, Black Void's Antithesis. I really like this. I had never heard anything quite like it. Wait for it. Punkish black metal? Because that's what I'm hearing. Almost like the Green Day that we spoke about earlier, but infused with obviously roots in black metal. I enjoyed the heck out of that album. Uh, late, late to the game on that. And, and, and something else which I'll, I'll mention. I don't know if you've heard the new Electric Callboy album. This is a wild, wild album. Um, I don't know how you would describe these guys, but what they I think they call themselves Electronic Core. It sounds like Amaranth, but nothing like Amaranth. It is beyond I, – I don't even know. They're a German band. Uh, they used to be called Eskimo Callboy. They changed their name, I think, to be more um, PC, if you will. But the Electric Callboy, it's like a love-hate thing I have going on with this release. On the one hand, 
I can't stop playing it. And on the other hand, part of me tells myself, you got to hate this album. It's terrible, but I can't stop listening to it. So check it out if you haven't heard them. Do you know, do you know much about Black Void? No, I don't. Please fill me in because I don't know anything about them. Black Void is, it's the uh, antithesis side, uh, side album. They did a project last year called White Void, which was Mm. very, if, if you haven't heard that, it's really good. It's very sort of 80s AOR influence wow. uh more so than this album but it's uh lars nedland uh from bortnagar solofald and all those bands that's his this is his main side project got it i'm a huge so the, bortnagar fan so well, that, i should know that but so the white void and the black void album are are they go together very well well, you know what I'll be playing on my on my ride into work tomorrow. So cheer, cheers for that. Um, let let's turn the page and, and talk some Merciful Fate and King Diamond. We're going back. This this album, Don't Break the Oath, goes back to September of 1984, September 7th to be exact. And I I just thought this. You know, we were kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. What should we cover? And they they announced this you know, tour that they were going to do in the U.S. and whatnot. And I know they played Cycle Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. I just thought it was timely. We've not done any King Diamond. He's obviously um, one of a kind in, in many ways. And this is kind of the start, in my opinion, of, of quote-unquote extreme metal, right? Venom, Bathory, and this. This is, this is like kind of where it all starts before we get into the late 80s and early 90s and, and we go up even colder to Norway. What was I mean? What was your first exposure, I'll, I'll, Chris? I'll ask you. Had you? I know you were familiar with some of the King Diamond stuff, but you never checked out Merciful Fate. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, it's a hundred percent accurate. Um, between my good friend Caleb and the uh, soundtrack to Clerks Two, um, <laughs> it turns out Kevin Smith is a uh, old school King Diamond fan. Um, there's uh, a couple of tunes uh, on that soundtrack. In, um, Makes an appearance in Clark's where, uh, What's that? Makes an appearance in Clark's Three. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that last week too. That um, Elias is dressed completely as King Diamond oh, yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in in Clark's Three. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a scene where Jay just starts singing uh, King Diamond and climbs through the drive-through window. I remember just laughing my ass off the first time I saw that, and pretty much every subsequent time I saw it too. Um, so. I think that I grabbed like one of the King Diamond greatest hits, or maybe it was the um, maybe it was the the Abigail album. I think that was the one that had, yeah, that was the one that had like Arrival and um, so yeah. So I listened to like all the Abigail album and then some of the greatest hits, and then um, Welcome Home and the Invisible Guests were the two songs that were on the Clerks Two soundtrack. So. I was not expecting Merciful Fate to sound the way it did based on what I'd heard from King Diamond because I think that my limited exposure to King Diamond was like he either had these kind of low gravelly vocals or these high soaring vocals and there's kind of this these other style vocals that he also does in Merciful Fate that even just right from the get-go from the first track I was like, oh wow, this is going to be very different from what I expected. And I actually thought that overall it had more of a modern sound than I thought a 1984 release was going to have. When I think of like what 
Manowar sounded like or, or a band like of that ilk in 1984, like where it probably is painfully dated going back and whatever. I'm, I don't know if it's Sign of the Hammer or which album would have come out in 84 around that time. But um, this just seems a little bit more ahead of the curve, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my experience with King Diamond. So this was kind of a cool way to get into some more of what I think is a little bit more of a varied style of his vocals. Sean? Um, well, I mean, I think like a lot of metalheads, I, I discovered King Diamond first, and um, then I worked my way back to Merciful Fate. So I I had heard of, I can't remember how I had heard of King Diamond. It was before I saw Clerks. Um, I think his, there, was a, there was like some bit in Clerks 1, I think. They were also mentioned, right? I can't remember. Um, Maybe like a running bit at this point. Yeah. It, it must have been like a Metallica interview or something I saw. And they mentioned like, you know, King Diamond or whatever. So I, I remember that name. And when I was at a used record store one day, I saw a cassette of them, King Diamond, them. And that's how I got into that. And then like later I realized, oh, that's the same guy in Merciful Fate. And then, you know, worked my way backwards. And my honestly, my, my favorite Merciful Fate album is Melissa. Um, I think it's superior to Don't Break the Oath. But it's interesting, this week I've been listening to this album so much, I kind of have this new appreciation for it a little bit. Because just as a historical document, seeing the roots of, oh, I could see how thrash developed out of this in some part, and how black metal, and it, it, as a historical document, it's really interesting. But I, for me, listening-wise, Melissa smokes this. So, yeah. To- totally. And sometimes we don't pick the best, but we just pick something that, like, I think will be interesting, and, and obviously yeah. we had the anniversary with this. Carrie, when you when do you did you, did you also start with with King, or did you kind of start with Merciful Fate and work your way forward? Uh, you know, it was probably a little bit together back in the day. Um, so I will say I've seen Merciful Fate live back in '99 when they toured here, um, and for during that time of my life, I was working for a guy where I was creating uh, press passes. So I got to do the the actual official press badges for the whole tour for the band. Um, I, I, looking back at that stuff, I'm like, oh, my graphic design was way bad. Not, <laughs> I feel I feel bad now, but you know. Um, so yeah, that was. I mean, I'd always been a fan of Merciful Fate, which is weird to think they only had two albums out in the '80s, Melissa, and then this one, and then King Diamond sort of like broke off and did his thing for a long time, and they sort of came back but it was never quite the same the same thing you know but now i mean you know you're looking at 30 almost 40 years later and there's like merciful fate has like this legendary status to them and like this tour that they're doing now i wish i could see it but it's they're only doing like one texas date and hopefully they'll do more later but man i i can understand why people are frothing at the mouse to see them live now it's it's amazing. And then like almost the original lineup, but you have Joey Vera in the band now. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's wild. I'll tell you, I remember hearing King diamond standalone various tracks and I, and I had Abigail and all that. So I, I was very familiar with his stuff, but my first real exposure to merciful fate was listen back when I was like a Metallica fanboy. I'm going mm-hmm. back 25 years Lars used to talk about this band Merciful Fate as one of his biggest influences. Yeah. And like I knew the name, but I never listened to the music. So 
and this is a void in my metal fandom. I This was really my first time doing a deep dive into either this or Melissa, despite the fact that everyone talks about both of them for different reasons as being like seminal albums in any metal collection. And then to your point, Sean, I mean, you, you get t- a taste of thrash. You get a taste of black metal. You get a taste of death metal. Um, it, it really yeah, just... Yeah, the theatrics. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but there's one band in particular, which in my opinion does not exist without Merciful Fate. And we'll, I'll, I don't want to spoil that. We'll, we'll get there. But to me, it was really interesting to kind of hear this for the first time because the album's almost 40 years old, but it holds up surprisingly well. Uh, I'm not saying it's their best album. I don't know enough, but I can tell you that I thoroughly enjoyed uh, this this trip down mem- down memory lane. I'll just kind of lay out the the lineup just so we uh, are clear. Obviously, we've referenced the King on on vocals and and keyboards. Uh, he he's been with them since the beginning. They started in 1981. Not, not Elvis Presley. No, no, the other King, the other King. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, the, uh, Hank Sherman on guitars. Uh, Bjorn Holm on uh, on on dr- well actually he's in the band now I'll, I'll go to the original lineup it's uh, Hank Sherman Michael Denner on on uh, guitars Timmy Hansen and on bass and Kim Russ on drums uh, but to your point obviously the most of these guys are now back in the in the in the fold for this you know reunion tour of sorts um, this was a really interesting listen, and I think without further ado, kind of let's just kind of jump into it because as we kind of dissect this track by track, I have a feeling we're going to get into a lot more details and history. The album kicks off with a dangerous meeting, and and I'll say this about this song: you mentioned somebody mentioned Motorhead earlier. This screams Motorhead with that opening riff. Um, Sean, do you have any thoughts about this track? I know it was, I'll, I'll just say this. There's some elements here which are so good that A, they remind me of other things, and B, I think it kind of helps drive the rest of the album forward. Yeah, I mean, more, I think this track in particular, more than any of the other tracks, is the Sherman Denner guitar tandem. You can see just how well they play off each other and stuff. And um, that's the vibe I get. Like I always, my, my benchmark for guitar interplay between two guitarists is Slash and Izzy on Appetite for Destruction. To me, that's like the gold standard. And and when I get vibes like that, of like, um, you know, just the riffs are are just locked in tight in the solos, the little like weed parts that go over the top accent it perfectly so that's that's this song for me was a guitar work really stood out more than anything i definitely agree i, I don't think the the duo of of sherman and denner they had they had they even had their own project together later in their career gets recognized enough uh for sure i mean you hear always hear the the, the judas priest and and like you said izzy and slash which is good uh these guys were the original of some of that stuff. They the the dual guitar riffing and stuff like that, and going back and forth against each other. It's 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 epic. It's really uh, it's ch- it changes the genre really. Chris, um, I have to say, <laughs> like last week listening to Death and and hearing <laughs> that for the first time and hitting and just playing that first track for the first time. I just I was like, oh, this is going to be a slog, isn't it? And and then when I started this album, Merciful Feet, um, I was like, oh shit, like this, 
this actually might be kind of fun. And sure enough, like th- this, this, this was like a great intro to the album. I was like, I don't know, I guess maybe I was kind of, um, my expectations were a little bit, um, uh, abated after, after death didn't really like wow me. Um, so my guard was, was, up i guess and oh my god this is i was just i let my guard down immediately i was like this is great um i'm gonna enjoy this and and then i heard those the 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 kind of mid-range king diamond vocals that that were like actually um like smooth compared to the the kind of the raspiness that i i was used to on um the King diamond albums, um, like his, not his higher vocals, but his lower vocals are very gravelly. And on this, it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty smooth. I was like, this is cool. Um, just like he, he comes in, he hits those high notes. Um, it, in a lot of ways, like Justin, you're might be one of the only people who gets this reference, but he reminded me of Keith Sedano with like those like soaring, Yes, uh, falsetto high vocals, but then like these really like pleasing sounding like mid mid range vocals. Um, just this was like like yeah, I was really surprised that something from this was from 1984 because it felt it felt more modern to me. What I'll I'm glad you mentioned Keith Sedano because I definitely hear um the 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 comparison there. What I liked about this track is that the falsetto was used kind of as a complement to the rest of the song and the, and, and the rest of the, um, the vocal lines, there's elements of it on this, which I think are used a little bit too much. And it almost becomes gimmicky in a way and one or two tracks in particular, but yeah, I, I find the vocals here to be very, very palatable. And, and quite frankly, we talk about all those other genres that are spawned out of, out of, out of, you know, this early extreme metal there's a lot of doom metal on this track as well. And I'm obviously they're not the forerunners, but I hear candle mass on this track as well, just in terms of like the bells and the slow down towards, you know, I guess like kind of towards the end of the song before it picks back up really, really cool opening track, very diverse. Um, and, and, and you can see that I can imagine putting myself back, you know, almost 40 years and listening to this and being like, there is nothing. And I mean, nothing that sounds like this in 1984 no way i couldn't imagine there there would have been um i also wanted to just mention there's a, just a little bit of like those castlevania-esque keys uh in in there toward in the solo part which you like you hook yes. me right in when you throw that stuff in there i love man, that sound man after my own heart <laughs> oh for sure um yeah really really cool well done we get to to nightmare which is the second track and it's the first time that I think any of us, or at least any of us now are going to mention, if I'll, I'll say it, the bass line that kicks this song off is really, really groovy. And, 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 and when you kind of start getting into this track, to me, it has a bit of a rainbow feel to it. And I hear like kind of King Diamond, but singing over the top of like a rainbow tune from like, you know, the mid to late seventies. It's really, it's, it's, it's interesting. And when I, hear a track like this it's kind of proggy it's very theatric which obviously you can say that about most of the album um but when you mix that in with like these little drum fills throughout the entire song which just hold my attention it's very different because while the first track has like that dual guitar work here 
it's the bass and the drums that stand out to me. Jump in because uh, I, I mean, that kind of is my uh, my thoughts on this. I thought the vocals were a little too much on this track, but I love the I love the underbelly and the underpinnings of this one. I, I agree with you, sir. Uh, you, you mentioned in the beginning, it's like it's very rainbow, very that 70s rock feeling. And I definitely hear that when I when I heard the track. I'm like, oh, you pinpointed that exactly. And then it gets in, then it like speeds up and like goes in different directions. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. We talked about the album in its entirety. I haven't heard this in it, as a whole in a long time. Of course, there's tracks that are very popular from this album. But going back and listening to it to prepare for this, I'm like, oh forgot about this and this was this is definitely one of the standouts to me yeah yeah i mean it i yeah it's you mentioned rainbow i there's another song on this album that i really had the alarm bells going off for rainbow this song reminds me of maiden Mm. this song reminds me of like like new wave of british heavy metal the first three iron maiden albums something about the guitar riff you even even the bass line later in the song not the intro but um, yeah, that's the that's the main vibe I got here was that this was the kind of Iron Maiden song. Actually, there's two Iron Maiden songs, but this is one of them. Um, not my favorite song on the album. Me either. I agree sure. with you. I think, I, I think the falsetto sometimes gets to me a little bit. It's too um, much on this one. It's too much. It's, it's too just, much on this particular track. Yeah. Any any thoughts, Chris? I I, I felt like that that opening guitar riff. I, I I'm with you. Like it kind of gave me this. 70s classic rock kind of vibe and then all of a sudden you get like these heavy metal vocals and it's almost jarring because like you're expecting to hear like you said like maybe maybe like a heavier tull song or just something from the (laughs) 70s because it's just got this really classic rock kind of you know guitar riff and then all of a sudden it's just like no it's a heavy metal song psych um but uh yeah i mean i i guess I agree that at, at times the the vocals can be like a little bit over the top, but um, I, I think isn't that like the the appeal of listening to King Diamond sing? I mean, I love that he has so many uh, like types of, of vocal styles that he's so good at. Like, it's not just this kind of like we. I think we talked about like when we were listening to Death that like the the vocals were kind of one note throughout the whole album, and there wasn't a lot of to me anyway, there wasn't a lot of va- like variance to it. And, and this, I feel like, you know, if you didn't know any better, you might even guess that there was multiple singers, but it's really just the same guy. I think King Diamond I think that, vocal. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. Well, I, th- I think that you're, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. Like it is part of the appeal, but it's like, I don't know if you listen to Cradle of Filth, but Cradle, a, a good Cradle of Filth track to me has like, equal parts of his guttural vocal and his high vocal. And that same thing with, with King Diamond um, on the King Diamond project, like the songs that work the best are the ones that find a good balance between the falsetto and then the, his gravelly sort of mid range vocal. And sometimes a merciful fate. And even on Melissa, they, he leans a little too hard on the falsetto and it just loses its effect. If that's all you're hearing, you know, instead of it being like this punctuating thing. I was going to say, I don't think he's on this album. I don't think he really started perfecting his vocal style until he started doing his own solo projects and started writing and doing more like that. I know he was writing on this album, but his vocals are very polarizing. It's one of those things you either love them or you sort of hate them. There's like really no in between. 
Um, I love them. Um, I, I agree. Sometimes the, the falsetto can be a bit much, but it's it's fun though. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you this. More than anything, like it or hate it, the theatrics here are on full display on this track. And I I alluded to a band earlier. Uh, In my opinion, there is no Carrick Angren unless there's a Merciful Fate. You you talk about a black metal band that thrives on the imagery and the the theatrics of it, although from like a modern black metal sound – I feel like this had to be their like number one influence because they basically took this, they turned it up to eleven, and and you got Carrick Angren. I, I thought you were going to say Ghost. I really thought you were going to say Ghost. <laughs> Too easy. I think that it, I think that was Ghost basically takes this and turns it down to one, and and it's like the opposite in my opinion. They 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 take Merciful Fate, they turn it down, they commercialize it, and they start selling out arenas that are literally a mile from my house. I, I don't. I, it's bananas. I mean, good band, but like they have blown up. They, they that's that's a story for another podcast. Yeah. Um, I want to get to I want to get to track number three, which is Desecration of Souls. Um, I've got thoughts on this, but I'll, I'm going to turn it over to Chris on this one first. What, do you, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I, it's another one that I I quite enjoyed. I really didn't find myself not enjoying any of the songs on this album, which was a very uh, very pleasant surprise. Um, I love the uh, the wild electric guitar. To, to kind of kick things off and uh it's um i feel like we're kind of back to king diamond singing in his his mid-range again which i think is probably a welcome return after the the as some may argue the overuse of the the theatrical falsetto in the previous track um but um i i would say that this one was um I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I, I think I like this one a, a touch more than um, than Nightmare. Carrie? Yeah, um, this is maybe one of my least favorite tracks on the album. I I'm just not a fan of his vocal in the very the first it's sort of like a spoken word, but not really. He's trying something weird there. Uh, it's just this is not my favorite track on the album for sure. Doesn't click for you. It does not. Sean, I, I'm going to go last on this one. I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, I actually like this one um, quite a bit. Uh, it, the, gr- the riff is kind of Scorpion's groovish. I know I keep using other bands as a comparison, <laughs> but... Um, what better I way to do so it? Much. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the riff here is like totally early Scorpion or early 80s Scorpions era. And his vocals are... There's something appealing about the sort of talk singing stuff he's doing here. Um yeah, I, I, I one of, one of the songs I enjoy the most on the album. I I agree with you. I that that opening riff which Chris artfully sang for us. I hear Eddie <laughs> Van Halen, right? Like I hear like something that you would hear off one of those early Van Halen albums. And the song itself, when you really get into it, it's very catchy and melodic to me. I, and I think the mix happens to be really good on on this particular track. I think it's sonically, it sounds very good. Um, and I think that if I was like a record exec, right, I, I would have made this the single for the album. I think it's the most accessible of the tracks on the album. So much so, actually, that I, I'm going to make it my song of the week. I actually like this track a lot. And I think that um, there was something about it that I just kept gravitating towards. So with that said, let's let's give it a listen.
Yeah, I, for some reason, I don't know, this this track just really registered to me. But I think that's part of the uh, what I enjoy about having a discussion like this, because it's that difference of opinion, which, you know, you have two fans who could probably t- listen to anything. And then you have one person who was literally the most enjoyable track all week and somebody else who may be one of the least uh, preferred songs on the album. So I, I find this fascinating. Let's let's go on to track four, which is kind of the the end of side A of the of the record, if you will. It's a five minute track. It's called Night of the Unborn. Uh, this one's a little bit more upbeat, I think. Uh, you know, upbeat is relative to to, to Merciful <laughs> Fate, obviously. Um, very very awesome bass lines and some really like classic eighties riffage going on here and and quite frankly king diamond is on full display on this one uh as well kind of like nightmare in, in my opinion um carrie give me your thoughts on this is it, is it better than desecration for you it is it is actually uh this song uh some of the guitar riffs i i'm i'm not an expert guitar player i or anything like that but it, it's very bluesy to me like some of the guitar riffs um, but then you get, but again, it's definitely that fast, merciful fate, but there's elements of this. I'm like, wow, this is like, just talking about losing your car and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know if it's my favorite, but, um, it, which is hard for this album for me is cause there's like two or three tracks on this album that I always listen into uh, outside of the, the realm of listening to it as an entire album. So I'm trying not to pick one of those as my my track of the week, but yeah, because um, it, it's I, not always the favorite. But there's there's usually a reason why you chose it. So I I completely completely hear you there, Chris. Any thoughts on this one, Justin? I'm gonna be obscure again, where where I know that you'll appreciate. But the the vocals here it reminded me of Mercury Rising's Upon Deaf Ears. Really, <laughs> the way like. Um, what is it? Halfway to forever. The way he just like really goes, goes up and, up down, and that, down. Yeah. I don't know. I, just, just the vocal stylings, nothing about really the music itself, but just the way his vocals are. I, that is a, I might, I don't know. That is, is a that metal a deeper, exchange first. That is, is that a, a metal deeper, exchange. Is that a deeper <laughs> cut than eternity X or. <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting into really rarefied air here, but no, I, I understand what you're saying just in terms of the vocal styling. Right. Although obviously well, as, that's prog. As far as the music itself um it's just and it's just another one of those songs where like i just found myself uh, you know as i was working just you know tapping my foot and just being like man this is just enjoyable to listen to uh whereas and again i'm gonna keep bringing up death like i really had to i really had to kind of like concentrate and really just kind of like like really take it in and and i i i think um Somebody, I think, mentioned in, in our comments on the Facebook group that, like, that something about, like, we needed to listen to it, like, five or six more times. And I think that's kind of where I was. Whereas with this, I feel like I really kind of got the point, um, the, like, after three or four listens. And um, this is just another song. I was just like, good, this is good stuff. Like, just good old-fashioned heavy metal in the 80s. Like, sign me we, up. We need to have some uh, words about this death situation. <laughs> Add it to the anthrax. We'll we'll, we'll get yeah, there. Get Sean, there. I, I I'm curious to hear your thoughts because you and I seem to be aligning on this album, and I'm curious to see if that continues here. I haven't given my thoughts yet, but um, I mean, like Carrie was mentioning the bluesy guitar. I mean, I heard Motorhead in that intro. Um, and on my notes, I actually have written "greasy" for this song. Nice. 
because the the riffs just are had that greasy sort of motorheadish quality to them. Um, I love the King's like stuff that he does in the bridge, those sort of those beautiful phrases he has in the bridge. The falsetto again at certain points is a little bit too much, but the riffs are kind of the thing that drive the song for me. Um, some of the best riffing on the album is on this track, and um, I love the way it ends to the whole "This one's for the unborn," shouting out uh, <laughs> ending. I love that. It's it's interesting. I don't love the track. I think there's elements that I like more so than the song put together. There's there's tracks I like more. But at the end of this song, I couldn't help but get a power metal feel, almost like a Walls of Jericho type sound. That early Halloween, thrashy, almost speed metal. That's how this song kind of goes out. And so to me, that was a highlight as just an absolute freakish Halloween fan. Um, An interesting track, not my favorite, but I have a feeling that people are going to have a very strong opinion about the next one. We kick off Side B with The Oath, a classic, classic uh, Merciful Fate album. Sean, I'm going to kick it back to you because I want to get your thoughts on this one first. Um, this is my favorite song on the album. Uh, it's always been my favorite song on the album. It's the longest song. Uh, it's, uh, it's almost seven minutes. Or it's a little over seven minutes, I think. Um, but this is just like one of the best Merciful Fate songs. It has that awesome keyboard intro, moody intro, storm noises someone's screaming at some point and then you get that that church organ going and the ch- there's that weird chanting and i think it's i think it's the king himself who's kind of like laughing he cuts through laughing horror vibes basically you know and um and then just that when that riff kicks in the drums it's like very clive burr iron maiden era type stuff and um the bit in the middle the the bridge in the middle where the king is doing these punctuating sort of um vocalisms he's not even saying anything but it's such a addictive compelling part of the song yes um this is my song of the week uh nice um i I love this song i'm gonna throw it out there before we give this a listen anybody else want to join in that application anyone else say it's their song of the week because it was very close to being mine chris i had a feeling i had a feeling there'd be some overlap here chris let before let's give it a listen and i'll i'll let you kind of Take over and tell us why you chose it. Uh, Absolutely. let's Let's give it a listen. Is it too late for me to change my pick? No, kidding aside, this song, this song kicks ass. Chris, obviously you chose it for your song of the week too. Tell me why. Um, Well, like, you know, listening to it for the first time, you start out with this almost like two minute, almost like dirge 
going on this like slow um organy kind of dreary funeral march um it 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 almost it reminded me a little bit of um how um uh a prelude to madness starts on, on sabotage's hall of the mountain king where it's like oh, yeah, this yeah. um you know rain and thunder in the background and like this kind of like unassuming but depressing kind of organ and then and then all of a sudden like you hear that like and then all of a sudden bam like iron maiden guitars kick in and it it, it, i definitely got an old school maiden feel with that that first guitar riff about two minutes into the song and it's the song just sucks you in immediately you're just like yeah here we go it's on um the I thought the um, the high vocals are perfectly placed. Um, just everything just all comes together. Um, and this, it just every time I went back and listened to the song, this was the one that just um, got me the most excited every time that I listened to the album. And uh, I'm listening to it right now, and I, I'm excited yet again. <laughs> Carrie, let me let me yeah. let me hear your thoughts because he, he mentioned sabotage. I hear Black Sabbath at the beginning, like mm-hmm. with the rain coming down and whatnot. Uh, it's this is I lo- I I like this song also because of the the just the the satanic imagery is like on full display here and I thought it was just like a really dark and brooding track. Let me let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, definitely. This is this is ultimately one of Merciful Fate's top five songs for sure. Um, this is one of the songs that you think of when you when you think of the band and a couple other songs actually on this album. But yeah. Um, it's, it's not my favorite at the moment. Um, but in, in the way it fits on the album, it's a perfect sec, it's a perfect beginning to the second side, which I think the second, I think the second side of the album is a little bit more stronger than the first for sure. Um, for the quality of songs, but yeah, if you don't like the O's, you don't like Merciful Fate. I think that's a great summary. I, I don't, I think we, I think we're, we agree whether or not it's our song of the week. This is a winner. We we all love this. This this was the track um, that made me want to see this band live because I could imagine this song just being an absolute monster monster live track. And what's interesting to me is you have this this great start to side B, and then you have Gypsy. This song I am not, and, and I'll go first and I'll put myself out there. I am not a fan of this song. It's very very straightforward. There's there are no hooks here, and I found it to be just. The verse is kind of boring, repetitive, and I'm sorry that if anybody like really loves this song, but even the solo is kind of boring and unimaginative for me. This was the biggest skip, and, and quite frankly, like the filler track in my mind. Like they needed to put on a track here to kind of fill up another, you know, three minutes so that they felt people got their money's worth. I'm not a fan of this track. If anyone disagrees, now would be the time. Is anyone a fan of this this particular song? I, I disagree. I can I I can see what you're saying, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but I, I I see the uh, your it is straightforward. It's more uh, simpler than some of the other stuff. But it's also definitely in that top ten of the band for me. Interesting. It's, it's, yeah, I, Gypsy is one of the so- first, probably one of the first songs I ever heard by the band. You know what I mean? So it sticks out in my mind no matter what. Um, but I, I like the guitar solo toward the end. Um, it, but it's not it's not the fastest. It's not the most. Like it is more straightforward and compared to, comparatively to the other al- the rest of the album. I, I see your point for sure. But 
I don't know if I disagree or I don't know if I agree with it. I think there's a nostalgia pick for you. I think that this is yeah. one of those tracks where like, and, and I'm guilty of this too, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I think of certain tracks that if I didn't hear it or like have some sort of an emotional tie to it that I, pr- that I, that I probably wouldn't like it as much. You know, you I, know I what though, Justin, um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to break that because I have no nostalgia for this album. And I think this song is awesome. Um, really? I think that, yeah. I think that it, is a perfect follow-up to The Oath, which is just this banger. And then this is just a, a great way to follow it with something a little bit more mid-tempo, straightforward, but it's never boring. And it's always, it's just, it kind of has that, you know, the gallop, as we like to say, um, <laughs> just that really perfect mid-tempo. I, I mean, it, I feel like if you followed up The Oath with another song that sounded like that, it would take away from what makes The Oath so great. So having this follow it, I just think it, it makes it makes sense. So if you have a shitty song that follows it, it makes the oath that no, much better. That's no, I'm just kidding. I just mean it's a different style stylistically. Um, I just think it's a it's a good one two punch as far as different styles go. So I agree Sean, more which, with Carrie here. Sean, which camp are you in? Um, I, I actually really like the song. Um, it reminds me a lot, and I think if you go back and listen to it with this in mind. Listen to Rainbow's Gates of Babylon and then go back and listen to this song. That's almost exactly the same shuffling, up-tempo guitar strut that's going on in, in those two songs. It, this is like a remake, like a King Diamond remake of Gates of Babylon. Um, but I love it. it. It just reminds me of something that could be on like, you know, the Dio era Sabbath yes. albums. Um, it just has that sort of attitude and swagger. I, there's something about it that's really that early eighties metal kind of swagger that I love. So yeah, I, I, it's not the best song of the album clearly, but um, yeah, I can't help but love it. I will continue to be in the minority on this one. I'm not changing my opinion. Although I like the gates of Babylon reference because I think it's one of the best songs ever written. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll cheer, cheers to that. Uh, we get to welcome princes of hell. And to me, this is a markedly better song than than Gypsy. Again, for me, uh, slower, almost almost um, ballad like, but certainly not a ballad. Just because of the tempo of this particular song, um, this to me was like the quintessential song that Metallica was ultimately inspired by. Like I hear when I hear stuff on this particular track, I start thinking of stuff on Master of Puppets. Like obviously done a lot faster um, and, and thrashier. Um, but this is, has some of King's best vocals, in my opinion. And honestly, um, the dueling guitar solos here, again, that we kind of talked about earlier, I think they're on full display on this track. And although they're not like technically the best solos or the most complicated, they work really well on this track. And I'm, I happen to be a big fan. And as we kind of drive towards the end of this this disc... Um, Carrie, you're shaking your head. I want to hear from you first. Talk about <laughs> Welcome Princes of Hell. You know, this is I don't hate this song, but it's not my it's not my favorite song on the album. It, it has the it's this uh, this song compared to most of the songs on the album has is stuck in the 80s. It's stuck in this it has like this AC/DC feel to it with the the feel of the song. Um it, it you talked about being simple. There's good there's good parts of the song where they where they really they they shine a little bit, but it's it's a little too simplistic for me, and um, it's just like I said, very ACDC, which is not a good thing for me. 
I can tell you all a story later, and you'll you'll understand why. But I hear you. I hear you, uh, Chris. Let me hear your thoughts on this track. Um, I you know I didn't like it as much as Gypsy, so I guess we kind of flip flop on these these two. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that it was just kind of middle of the road. It, it picks up for me um, when the solos kick in about halfway through. I feel like the solos are really good, mm-hmm. and I definitely hear that Metallica comparison that early metallica comparison and i I do really like that part of it uh but just on a whole um good song not great that that's just my two cents sean again are are we going with the majority here or are you gonna go with the voice of reason i i I, please tell me i'm not crazy um it's not my favorite too much falsetto (laughs) i do i do like the riffs there's kind of a um, Turbo is one of my favorite Judas Priest albums, and it ha- the riffs remind me of stuff on Turbo a little bit. So I do like that aspect of it, but um, too much King, too much King falsetto kind of takes me out of it. I I, I understand, and and I'm I, for my purposes, I'm kind of going to lump the last two tracks together because to one far away is really this kind of short, almost hymn like track, which is almost an introduction. Um, to, to come to the Sabbath. So uh, before I, you know, kind of mold these two together, uh, I'm going to kick it back to you, Sean. Tell me, does this album end as strong as it begins for you with these last two tracks? Yeah, Come to the Sabbath is a great song. Um, it has bits of it that remind me of stuff that I would hear um, in other bands down the road, like I, where I feel like they pluck stuff from this this song in particular. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the, the one, the, the thing is the church organy stuff that they incorporate throughout this album, they do it the best on the oath, but this is really close. And, and I love that, that bridge in the middle with all that stuff and the drums kicking back in with that riff from the, from the beginning. Um, there's something that the creepy vibes in this song I love. Uh, this and the oath, I think, or you could put them as one A, one B for me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I think this is a phenomenal track. There's in certain spots you actually have like that power metal double bass thing going on, which is just comes out of nowhere. Um, you know, it's a nice change of pace. Uh, the only other there's a lot of ideas on this track that are kind of molded together. And it almost seems like they could have made this four or five different tracks if they took the idea and went with that particular either riff or or or, or kind of element to this track. But it, it it it's cohesive despite its I don't know progginess in a way. Um, what I hear you you talked about other bands borrowing from this track. I hear early Fate's warning on this one, like stuff that you would hear on. Um, Night on Brocken and stuff like that. Like that's that's the kind of stuff I hear on this track. And even when a, a song like The Apparition, which kind of has a similar vibe and theme to it, I, that's what I hear on this particular track. My only gripe is the way it goes out with him with King screaming, "You are the one." I just feel like it's kind of gimmicky and unnecessary. But if you chop the last five seconds off, I think the track is nearly perfect. Chris, do you agree? Uh, it's definitely my number two after the the oath. Um, I don't think anything is going to top the oath for me, but this is this is close. Um, and um, I kind of like that it, um, like you said, there's a lot of ideas going on. I think it makes for a good epic 
end end to the album. Um, I, I don't know that it, there would be a better choice for the last track. Um, I think it just kind of wraps things up, and uh, and and the king screaming at the end. I think what a perfect <laughs> way to to end it. I, I'm just so glad there. I, I didn't listen to any of the bonus tracks or anything because that's the way it should end. <laughs> Carrie, why is this your song of the week? How did you know? <laughs> Process of elimination. I, I, I <laughs> more than anything I, else. This is ultimately one of my favorite Merciful Fate songs, one of my favorite King Diamond performances, and ultimately one of my favorite metal songs of all time. I think this is a perfect uh, song that describes the, the the early to the mid-80s metal songwriting. There's some slow, doomy elements into it. There's some uh, these one-two beats to get into. Like you said, there's a lot of stuff that you could pick. Oh, this band is pulling from this part of the song and this part. It's a very influential track, I think. And you you keep on mentioning Metallica, but we haven't mentioned that they did that whole Merciful Fate medley on that Garage Inc., whatever, Revisited, whatever it was, which I actually enjoy their versions of these early Merciful Fate songs. And this is one, they do they do it justice. This is uh, the, one of the penultimate songs from this band, in my opinion, and definitely my pick of the week. Nice. I don't, Let's, I don't uh... get tired of hearing this song. Let let's give it a listen and we'll uh, we'll come back shortly and, and, and wrap up this album. That 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 track is awesome. Uh, definitely, definitely a good choice. Um, I think that kind of wraps up our, our discussion. But before I go ahead, I just want to say, w- before we kind of give this album a score on, on a scale of one to ten, somebody had had given us an idea, and I, I don't know that we're going to implement it, but I think that it actually works really well for this album. And that's not only do you give your score from one to ten. But I feel like in terms of like the influence score that the album would ultimately have, I think this would be like a 12 out of 10 because we've, we've named so many bands that this album has influenced that although I'm obviously not going to give it a 10, I don't think it's a perfect album. The influence is just undeniable because you can hear so many bands plucking from, 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 from Merciful Fate and from so many different genres too. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. I found it fascinating. Uh, Carrie, score of one to 10, what are you giving this album? Um, I'm going to give this an eight. It's uh, there's a, there's a, I'm not going to say missteps, but there's a few parts where I could have spent a little bit more time uh, in the songwriting process. But uh, you, you mentioned the influential part 
uh, about this album. Um, it just makes me sad that they, they took so much time off where King Diamond sort of split, did his own stuff. I would have loved to see more Merciful Fate albums in the 80s. Some of the 90s stuff was questionable, too. It wasn't great, but um, it's definitely, if you, I want to give it a 12, too, for <laughs> as far as influence as a, for other bands. I mean, just pick a track. You can hear another band in there right there. Absolutely. They're, they were the, the, the godfathers in many ways. Sean, scale of one to 10, what are you giving this album? Uh, a seven, because I think I would give Melissa a nine. Um, and this one was a step down. Um, it's interesting, you know, we're talking about the history of the band and everything. Like Hank Sherman wanted to do more commercial stuff after this. And I always thought that it was weird because like, it's like Melissa was sounded more commercial than this album to me. At least it was more hooky. And then when you heard what he did in um, what what King would do on his own, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't even it wasn't that it was more commercial. It was just more I don't know refined or something. So it, I didn't really understand the whole reason for the split. I mean, I guess at the time it might have made sense for them, but looking at it historically, it just seems like it seemed like. King King went in the direction that Sherman would have wanted to go anyway on his own. And instead, Sherman went and did Fate. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Fate, but it's terrible arena rock from the 80s that Hank Sherman did. <laughs> so, <laughs> a, se- a um, seven, I think, is where I land as well. Uh, to me, it's, it's an album that is certainly influential. I liked it a lot. I think it's above average, but I'm not going to put it in rarefied air. And I only say that because it's just not my taste necessarily, or um, it's just not something that I would say is like, you know, I'm going to put it next to an Operation Mindcrime or anything like that, which to me is, you know, like is is almost as good as it gets for for an album. Um, so a seven, I think, is a very very good score. And and what I I'm, I'm right there with you. Chris, I'm curious, is this, are you going to rate this high because it's a death palate cleanser or because you actually <laughs> enjoyed the album? No, I, um, I, I will remain, uh, I will remain, you know, single-minded, uh, rank, rank each album as it's, as it belongs and not base it on, uh, previous weeks, disappointments or otherwise, but, uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm right there uh with you with, with uh giving it a seven um it was uh it, it was something that i'm really glad i got a chance to listen to not having any um previous knowledge going in um because again there's so many of these bands that you know you know the name you've heard the name so many times over the years as a metal fan and it almost feels like uh, you know, it uh, it they passed me by, you know, whatever. Um, and, and now it's kind of like get, getting to go back. And I think of bands. I, I mentioned these two bands especially a lot, but Pretty Maids and Armored Saint are two bands that I got into really late into their existence. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I did because I became such a big fan of both bands. And that's not always the case when I'm listening to some of these older bands that I wasn't aware of and. I think um, Merciful Fate's probably going to be a, a step or two below the, those two bands, but um, it's just another part of the the education process, as I like to put it, and learning, you know, learning your history and learning why things that you listen to now um, 
why they exist the way they do now and what could have uh, influenced them and, and what might have influenced some of the older stuff that you are uh, familiar with, like Metallica or, or um, you know, anything else that, that we had mentioned. So, um, but I will say, like, it was very pleasant, a pleasant surprise and a really enjoyable listen. And, and uh, I'm glad that we chose it. And, and um, I just look forward to more, um, even stuff like death that I didn't particularly love. Um, I'm just glad that I listened to it. So at least I could say, like, I listened to this album a bunch of times and here's I'm how I feel about with, it. And, and, and to yeah, say that I you're mean, familiar with uh, it. Because yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash something unless I actually hear it and don't like it. I'm not going to bash something blindly or, or praise something blindly for that matter as well. So, um, now at least I could say, Hey, I listened to, you know, one death album and one merciful fate album. And I can talk like a semi expert on those two. Um, <laughs> there you go. I, I like it. Uh, we're going to switch over to some news right now. Uh, just a couple of short news items. Uh, we had covered steel Panther in the archives. They've announced their new bass player. His name is spider. I don't know anything about the guy. Apparently he played. That, that uh, just sounds, that just sounds about right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that basically <laughs> just sums it up right there. They're going on tour in November for the claws and pause holiday party tour. I will not be going, but I just is, put it you, out there. Do you know, is, was he part in a band before this or is he like no a new guy or this guy is. they pull him off the street? Uh, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, they may have. They they may have. Is he, I, I don't as, know anything about is he as pretty as Lexi? Well, I think that's impossible, <laughs> don't you? I mean, is anybody uh, very good looking man? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Spider, new to Steel Panther, uh, Guns and Roses are re-releasing Use Your Illusion One and Two as part of a box set that includes, wait for it, sixty three previously unreleased audio tracks and videos. We have not covered Guns N' Roses, and it is criminal that we have not talked about either Appetite, which we referenced earlier, or Use Your Illusion 1 or 2. Um, Sean, Guns N' Roses fan, is this something that we should be getting? Um, I mean, yeah, massive fan. Um, whether you – well, okay, so the Appetite for Destruction box that came out four, four or five years ago, it cost like a couple hundred bucks, and I, I imagine this one's going to cost around the same – thing the packaging it, on that one was lavish and i imagine this one will be too so I, i'm the thing i'm most curious about my friend who's another gnr fan he texted me today and said like what are these 63 unreleased tracks and i honestly have no idea i think they're probably going to be demo versions because as far as i know every idea that they had from the sessions had been translated into songs that ended up onto chinese democracy so there's nothing new i think that's going to surface here it's going to be a lot of demo stuff, I expect, but they, I mean, they could surprise us. So, I, I'm curious if, if nothing else, uh, and and to that point, something else I'm really curious about. Blackie Lawless has said that the new Wasp tour is going to be quote, and I'm not making this up, part 1930s carnival and part road warrior and part voodoo ceremony. You you had me at 1930s carnival. Um, I have tickets for this show. I cannot wait. I am a closet Wasps fan. I've been a fan of theirs since the late nineties. I know I missed the boat on the, on the early eighties stuff, but as much as we talk about merciful fate being an extreme band wasp in their own way, had a lot of the shock rock thing going on as well. Uh, Carrie, your thoughts on, on this monster of a tour with armored saint. Yeah. Yeah. 
you mentioned Armored Saint a few times, and Armored Saint is one of my top bands of all time. I love Armored Saint. I uh, the Armored the Armored Saints from Germany as one of the clubs here promoted them one time. Um, but so this show when he's coming to Houston, it's coming to White Oak, Sean, uh, November second. Tickets where the the show here, Wasp, Armored Saint, and Michael Shanker Group. General admission are eighty nine dollars. I don't understand why. <laughs> For forty dollars, yeah, I'm totally in. I would love to see them live. It's an experience, you know. But there's something about that price point that's like keeping me away. I don't know. Not 90, 90 bucks is a lot to hear Wild Child Alive. I mean, I love that song. <laughs> but, you know. Right. I, I did I, not I pay know, ninety dollars for the record. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I'm curious more than anything else, and I think it's going to be a spectacle. I'll still be surprised if the tour kind of happens because. Blackie and, and Wasp have a history of announcing tours that uh, go by the wayside like a Man of War show. But for some reason, I, I, I we're getting closer. So I have, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Chris, I know you want to say something. Uh, yeah. Um, just wanted to mention, I, I had mentioned this a few times, I think, over the course of, of us doing this. And for one reason or another, um, I, I will... I've just not had a chance to see this band and they're a local, uh, local prog metal band called Stavo. Um, they're, they're out of, um, Western New York here. And I have made a point to go see them several times. And for whatever reason, uh, somebody I was going with got COVID or the band canceled the show because somebody in the band got sick. Um, but, uh, the thing about this band that really has me, interested is that um even though they do have their uh original material they they're ostensibly a cover band when they play live uh, but the bands they cover are dream theater queensreich uh rush that that kind of stuff but they have a female singer and that i think is what makes it really the draw i mean to me like you know anybody i guess could could do could do like uh you know be a queens or a cover band i guess um but like the fact that like the idea of hearing under a glass moon sung by a female vocalist or really sung by anybody that's not james Lebrie <laughs> is really um exciting to me and uh they're actually opening isn't for isn't a, james Lebrie a female vocalist <laughs> that would that would make it better i don't know um <laughs> he's not he's not a good vocalist uh they're they're opening for a rush a rush tribute band called the rush project and unfortunately one of my you know one of my regrets is that i never saw rush live i waited too long and then um kept figuring oh yeah they'll be back i had no idea that uh neil pert was gonna pass away so um this might be the closest (laughs) i get to to see rush is to see a rush tribute band so me and my buddy caleb will be doing our our best uh i love you man impressions uh you know seeing the 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 holy triumvirate you know quote unquote but uh that's on saturday night and it's a little 18 dollar local show that i'm looking forward to so if, if anybody that listens actually it'll be over by the time this uh drops so uh, hopefully you said hello to me if you were there. I know uh, I know Dave, uh, who listens to the show regularly, who actually posted a video of him playing uh, a, a a death song after uh, our we did our episode. He picked up his guitar and did a like two minute 
cover, which so, you know, we inspired greatness in others. And that's what we, we, so we strive for here. Um, uh, maybe I'll run into him. He was at the Unleash the Archers concert that, and we both got COVID at it at the same venue back in December. So maybe we the could have a bit better cover experience. was the least, uh, the least he could do, I guess, after that. But kidding aside, he did a phenomenal job, and it like made my day to see that. Uh, I just want to briefly talk about the the request we got for next week. We got a, we have a special episode next week. I won't say why. I'll just say that we're covering an album by request, as we always do the first week of the month. Um, Queen's Innuendo it's going to be a really really interesting uh, album which it's a very good album but I, I bring this up because there's some fun stuff that's going to be tied to next week's show so I, w- I would encourage everyone to take a listen to that uh, Chris, Sean, uh, sorry Carrie and, and Sean how yes, can sir. people find you guys how can they listen to you where can they uh, where, where's your social media give us cool. give us all the plugs We'll do the spiel. Uh, we're MSR cast on all the socials as well as Metal Geeks on all the socials. Uh, Facebook, if you're there, come check out the uh, Metal Geek Society. We talk about metal and video games and just all kinds of geekery. Uh, we're at metalgeeks.net or msrcast.com, and we're wherever you can find your podcast uh, downloader of choice. We're there. Um, Sean, what about you, sir? Uh, I'm at uh, the Metal Pigeon Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can uh, check out my site at themetalpigeon.com. Awesome. If you haven't read, if you haven't read what uh, what Sean writes, he's one of the most amazing writers, and he can elaborately say what I'm feeling about metal at any time. So please check out his website. Yeah, uh, I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like you guys really um, showed us up as far as like you you, you have a. Um, just an, an eloquence about you when it comes to metal that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of marble mouthed at times, but, um, I, I, tell I, I feel I, sometimes, I, man. <laughs> I, I never thought in a million years that, uh, we would meet a pair, a pair of, of podcasters where one of them was uh, drawn in by Power Quest, and the other one was drawn in by the Monkees, uh, yes. two of my all-time favorite bands. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that is so cool. This this was, for me, an absolute blast, and, and I definitely um, would love to do it again. And, and, yeah, uh, man. And we, I mean, we would love to open, come on to your podcast. It's about to say, open invitation. We're going to have you guys come on to our show. We're going to talk about the Monkees, no matter if Sean wants to or not. We're going to play some... <laughs> gonna play some monkeys cover tracks from some metal bands i think would be great uh it'll be fun looking forward to it gentlemen thank you thank you thank you for joining us uh we hope you had as much fun as we did and we look forward to uh seeing everybody next week when we go back to 1991 and do uh uh try to do homage to queen's last studio album uh with the great freddie mercury so thank you so much keep the requests coming Follow us on our social media feeds, and uh, we'll catch everyone next week. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Now, man, you're saying, like, 
you're like you like the way our our show. I'm like I love the the concept and the way you guys do your show. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah, you guys are my favorite metal podcast for like for real. Me too. 